Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Yeah, there's um, there's stuff that happens today that I, I just look at it and shake my head, and I'm like, you know, even being in a grocery store, and you're like, some of the ways some kids talk to their parents, you know, they're like, you know, mom, get me that box of cereal right there. And if she says no, man, it's just, it's on. And yeah, I just I, look at that and I'm like, oh, yeah. We came up in a different time. <laughs> yes, I, we did. I can tell you. Well, and, and reminds me again, you know, Burgess Owens, his dad was a World War II vet. And I, I can just imagine, you, you know, it was just a different time, but just the level of respect for your parents and and grandparents especially and but but even that that respect you know bled over into teachers and law enforcement and just about any adult you know you you just don't you just never back talk to them it's like it blew me away yeah you made a good point earlier you know being able to sit down with your grandparents and i would do that as much as i possibly could and to hear the stories of you know, going through the depression and going through all those things. I mean, I can remember uh, my grandmother going after everyone was done eating, she would scoop off the plates and that's what she ate. She would eat what was left over on people's plate. And I asked her one time, I said, Grandma, what are you doing? And she said, we came up in the depression and those were things that we did not waste any food. So, you know, hearing those stories are invaluable. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I literally one of the reasons I live where I live is because we are four houses down from my wife's parents. And, you know, we could have uh, moved basically anywhere. But the, you know, the opportunity to buy the house that we're in now came up and we jumped on it, you know, for multiple reasons. But one of the main reasons is because I want my boys being raised close to a set of grandparents. And, you know, my, my dad passed away, obviously, you know, 13 years ago, but my, my mom lives all the way up in Idaho. And so that wasn't really an option. And so, right. you know, but being close to their grandparents is, oh, it's incredible. You know what? And yeah. the service opportunities, you know, the, the chance to say, Hey, grandma needs help, you know, weeding her, her flower bed. So Saturday mornings, you know, the, the boys will be heading down there and, you know, after they do their chores here in the house, then they're down there helping grandma and, you know, it's to me, those kind of experiences and yeah, you almost have to be creative now, you know, creating those kind of, of opportunities for, for your kids to, you know, right. find some way to work, some way to serve somebody. And yeah, you just, without it, I think kids nowadays are just, it, it's one of those things that are severely lacking and, and you can see it, you know, there's that. Yeah. And your boys are, are gonna, you know, Again, that's an invaluable thing to be able to spend time with grandma and hear the stories and do service for her, right? I mean, we, for years when I was a kid, mowing my grandma's lawn, you know, doing the same stuff, but it goes to who those boys are, right? And in years from now, they'll remember all of that. And that's just amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and sadly, that's, um, I can't remember the exact quote or where I heard it, but said, you know, either either you discipline your kids or society will. And I, and I think that leads right to, you know, the 
the thought of the whole reason that law enforcement has to exist is because unfortunately there are always going to be, and there always have, and there always will, there will be a certain segment of society that just doesn't feel that uh, laws and rules and societal norms pertain to them. So they're just like, well, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do, but eventually they're going to get caught by guys like you. And when they do, then yeah, they have to be disciplined. So I, I would much rather, you know, spend a little extra time and, you know, make the boys work out in the flower bed and teach them some discipline there than have them, you know, run into guys like you later on in life. Yeah, me too. I don't want to run into them. Good. <laughs> well, then uh, we, we are in agreement here. Good. Yeah. So and any other uh, interesting cases you've worked on lately? Not lately. I mean, everything's still pending uh, and those types of things. So it's difficult to talk about. But, you know, here lately, I've been doing a lot of teaching, traveling around. And one of the things that really true to my heart is uh, the emotional wellness aspect of law enforcement, but also, you know, crime scene work, crime scene investigators, forensic investigators. I had some health issues several years ago that forced me to go to counseling and talk about my experiences. And so I would have been the last one, Jared, at that time to talk because I didn't come up in that culture. Right? You didn't talk about it. But my health forced me to do that. And, you know, I've totally done a 180 and actually travel around the country now and talk about emotional wellness for forensic investigators. And um, it's very interesting. We did some research here with the University of Colorado on vicarious traumas and the difference between what patrol officer encounters and what the forensic investigators encounter. Because, you know, we're in that trauma at the scene, we go to autopsy, we're preparing for trial. So it's a it's a prolonged type of trauma where, yes, patrol gets those traumas, but it's shorter duration, more, but shorter. So it was a very interesting thing with the University of Colorado. They were very interested in it. Yeah, well, and it's it's a really good thing. I, you know, the, I think kind of the way that we all grew up, you know, those of us that are, you know, our generation, and, and a lot of that stems from our parents, you know, and, and our grandparents, like you said, they lived through the depression, man. By, by the time they were, you know, had a, had a house and, and two cars, you know, they still had all of those lessons that they learned during the great depression. And, you know, so they were, they were living great. And it, it's right. like, you have nothing to complain about. You know, if you, if you have a house over your head and food in your belly, you have nothing to complain about. Yeah, and I remember as a kid asking my parents for, uh, can I get an allowance? And my, I remember my dad saying, you have a roof over your head, you had food in your tummy, and clothes on your back. That's your allowance. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, it's uh, nowadays, yeah, it's, it's down to bribery, man. They look, <laughs> if you clean your room, I'll give you something, you know. Or, uh, yeah. But, you know, everybody's got an electronics and... YouTube and all that stuff. And so that's your, um, your bargaining chips say, look, right. <laughs> if you don't, uh, you know, go clean your room, man, YouTube is gone. Yeah. Well, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Like our smartphones and all of this stuff. I mean, we're, the world is like at our fingertips basically. But then on the other side of it, you know, I know we've had cases where people hear about it on social media before officer can get there to, 
make a notification, right? And so that on that side is that's not a good thing. Yeah, it is a it is an immediate now now type of a society. And I'll tell you, there's on one side there's absolutely no delayed gratification, which is uh, is harmful in lots of ways. But on the other side, one one advantage you have is those electronics can actually be used to pinpoint where somebody is. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, how many cases have you actually solved because you were able to get their cell phone and ping it off towers and you say, you know what, dude, every single person, whether they're, you know, an honest person or not, or they have a cell phone with them. Yeah, they do. And you know, every case I think that I can think about has a cell phone, a tablet, component to that case whether it's facebook messenger or snapchat or whatever it is but yeah i mean there's all this data that's coming in that we're able to use and you know for me as a crime scene investigator i call it like a constellation of evidence so what we're doing is not one specific piece but it's all these pieces that come in so you you know you think about a star you can have a star but you don't have a constellation unless it's a group of stuff. So that's kind of how I look at cases. And you're right, DNA, fingerprints, it's one part, but the electronics too are invaluable. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, and it seems like everybody nowadays wants to document everything they're doing. So yep. they're, they're, if you can get a hold of that electronic device, uh, literally you're like, yeah, you know, here's the whole story right here. In fact, uh, we'll probably use your pictures against you in court and um, your own your own video is going to convict you. So, yeah, it's uh, it, this this interesting environment that we live in nowadays where everybody's recording everything. And, you know, it's just crazy. Uh, well, I, but before before we get too far away from that, I want to go back to what you were talking about a little earlier. So. Describe some of the cases that you have, and, you know, don't go too much into detail, and especially, you know, no victims, but I don't think a lot of people understand the, the level of, I don't know, I, as, as I've been in forensics, I, I look at some of the cases that, especially ones that might be cold cases and, and that an MVAC would be used on, you know, to help collect DNA, but it blows me away. At times, even even with my military experience, I'm like, how can a person do that to another person? And the the level of uh, violence and hate and evil that some people, you know, can do to another person. And a lot of times it's somebody that they used to love, you know, like uh, they were yeah, married I, to or something like that. And, you know, so just describe some of those and why something like that is so traumatic to like a, a crime scene investigator? You know, I think of a couple cases um, that were Austin cases. Uh, the very first week I was in Austin, we had a, uh, a homicide. And this uh, victim was out. They had uh, dumped the body out in like some, a grove of trees, uh, overgrowth. And I had seen, you know, death and dealt with it. But this was the first case where this guy was almost decapitated um, and it was a stab and then, you know, almost cut his head off. You fast forward from that. I had a baby case and those are hard for me, Jared, the, the babies. This was a drunk driving case. Uh, the baby was ejected 
out of the car. Driver was drunk. As the baby is ejected, there's a van coming the other way and actually hits the baby. So, you know, having to deal with that and having to see that horror, just it weighs on you. And like I was saying earlier, you know, if you don't talk about those things and you don't debrief them, you just shove them down, then they um, they weigh on you. Um, I know that I went back to Indiana and I came here to Thornton. We had another baby case. And I had worked these child cases, you know, for years in between. But um, I got called to go document the scene, document the, the baby. And I walked into the ER and it was like Austin just came back. It was weird. I start sweating. My heart's pounding. Um, and I don't know why, but something triggered it. And again, uh, dealing with those things, it just, I was out. I was out for several weeks, treatment and those type of things. So, you know, it weighs on the investigator. And I think we're doing like a really good job now at changing that culture. But uh, I'm sure with your military background, you know, you don't know what it is that's going to trigger something, or it may be different for you and I than it is another investigator. And that um, the viewers can imagine, you know, the things that we see as uh, crime scene investigators, because we're the ones going in and, you know, documenting everything. We're collecting evidence. We're going to autopsies. So I don't need to describe any of that, but people can imagine. And you make a great point that over the years, and I've been doing this for over 30 years, what the level of violence people will do to other people, it just amazes me, the destruction and the damage and the that someone could do that to another person. Yeah. Well, it, first of all, the reason it bothers you is because you're a good man. And well, thank you. there's 99.9% of all the law enforcement that I've run into over you know, the 15 years that I've been doing this, they are exactly like you. You know, they care about their community. They care about other people. And you're doing this exclusively because they pay you millions of dollars to do it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do it because you want to serve and you want to be of value to your community and serve your community. And, right. you know, that's why I, every chance I get, I, you know, I'm, I'm buying guys lunch. You know, there, there's all sorts of things that I that I try to do to pay pay back. You know, a little bit, and and I I know a lot of other people do that, but it's a, a big part of it. Again, is the changing of the culture. Is you have to talk about these kind of things. You have to get this stuff off your chest because when you push it down, and and just kind of try to compartmentalize it and and just put it away in some dark place, there is always going to be something that is going to trigger that. And like you said, when you walked into a, you know, a, an ER or a, a Mies office and you see another baby or another victim that, that reminds you of a past case, then all the emotions, everything that came from that past case is going to come, you know, bursting up. And that combines with the case you're currently trying to deal with. And if, if people don't understand that, and, and if the investigators can't understand where all this emotion is coming from and how to deal with it, then, you know, it becomes overwhelming. And I think society, like I said, back in when our grandparents were and, and even our parents were growing up and, and the time that they were living in, I think back then 
there was enough physical activity that you could keep yourself. And I mean, because most uh, occupations, you're, you're not sitting behind a desk staring at a computer. You're actually physically moving. You're doing things. And, right. and you know, that physical release of energy is paramount for our mental stability. And a lot of times we just don't have that anymore. And, and I, I think that's a big part of it. And so a lot of society now is sedimentary and we're just kind of sitting there a lot, you know, like what we're doing right now. And right. I mean, we're having a fantastic discussion, but at the same time, we're just sitting here and, you know, that's, that's just the way society is now, but there's repercussions for that. Right. And I, I think part of that is the ability to, to emotionally, you know, deal with things. Cause I, I know detectives, they're quote glory part of the, of their job and your job for that matter is when you're actually out there and you're in part of the scene, you're investigating the crime, but then there's also a ton of paperwork. And so like, how often are you sitting in that chair right there going over cases and, and compiling evidence and that kind of stuff? Right. And one of the things that I do is the reconstruction part of the case. So I'm taking all the reports, all the photographs, all the information, and trying to figure out what happened and what order happened. And, and so you're absolutely right. I spend days uh, in my office reading reports and, you know, putting uh, storyboards together and, and trying to do all of these things. And it's not um, while well, I'm out running, for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, I, I think that's a, actually a, a really important link is, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, mental awareness things. And, you know, humans are not meant to just sit there and, right. and be, you know, like you take your brain out and that's the only thing that's actually functioning is, is your brain and your body and everything else is just sitting there. And it's just not the way things work. And so that's why, you know, it's important to stand up and go walk around and go do something different for five or 10 minutes, you know, reset. And then come back. And, and I'm sure when you're dealing with cases where, again, you see some of these cases where some guy's been, you know, stabs his ex-wife 50 times or something like that. You know, you know, it's just these these absolutely barbaric, brutal cases. And you're like, how can somebody get so just out of their minds mad? You know, I mean, it's right. just, just psychotic. Yeah, I, we've had cases like just like what you're talking about, you know stabbings 40 50 times and it's just you know it's just brutal like it's just a almost a frenzy type of thing and and the level it's hard for me to understand the level of anger that that would take that makes sense yeah well there's a past episode i think it was about a year ago do you know dr lee meller i don't okay clinical psychologist and the guy's brilliant he is probably one of the leading experts in the really dark stuff, serial killings and serial rapes and things like that. And understanding the psychology behind them, you know, he's, he's the type that when you see something that you've just never seen before, like what you said, you know, some guy that's been stabbed 50 times, but the way that the, he's been stabbed and, you know, just kind of the, the brutality of it. And, you know, maybe almost like a cultish feel to it where you're just saying, I'm not sure I understand what I'm looking at. He's right. the guy that you call. And, and I think in any investigation, you know, where my expertise is crime scene, reconstruction, those types of things. 
there are times when we have to call other people in, right, with other specialties. And I think you make a great point that any investigation is a team effort. It's a team coming together, sharing their expertise in, you know, pursuit of solving the case. Yeah. Well, yeah. But my point about Dr. Meller is he talks about the sewer and the abyss. And, you know, the sewer is what you're actually looking at. You know, the the living conditions that some people will tolerate, you know, the just the filth in their house and those kind of things. But but it's right. also just the the violence behind it. But then the abyss is kind of this vertical and the abyss is where you're like, well, the abyss is the why. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of investigators really get hung up because they try to understand the why. And, you right. know, how can somebody stab somebody else, you know, another human being 50 times? Well, right. sometimes there is no why. And, you know, the, the stress of seeing it is bad enough. But then in, in your mind, if you're like, ah, you know, I got to figure out why this guy did this. You know, that's that's when the real stress can come in. And, and sometimes there is no answer. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And there's a, I mean, probably the majority of cases we don't, as the crime scene side, figure out why. You know, we're doing the who, what, where, when, all of those things, how, but not why. And I know that I've had crime scene investigators actually tell me that bothers them. Well, can't, why can't I figure out why? And like you said, sometimes we may never know. Yeah. Well, I, I know you have another class to, to teach here in a few minutes. So I want to wrap this up. But hey, um, how can people find you? Um, they can find me. Um, at www.triadforensic.com. My email is triadforensics at gmail.com. And uh, please go to the website, check it out. They do uh, cases and training and stuff on the side as well. So I would welcome anyone's contact, even if it's just to talk about a case. Awesome. Yeah, and obviously you're you're also delving into a lot of that uh, psychological training, you know, to help people deal with this kind of stress. So, hey, man, appreciate what you do. Hey, thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. Okay, we'll see. We'll see at the next conference, man. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.